You're listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show, where business leaders and health experts give insight while you take a break from the daily grind. Your host, Joey Price, is an entrepreneur with over a decade of startup experience and CEO of the managed HR services firm Jumpstart HR. Want to join the conversation or have an idea for the show? Tweet us at BizLifeCoffee or Joey directly at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLCMoments. Want more episodes? Head on over to iTunes to subscribe. Business, life, and coffee, personal development for busy professionals. Now let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. It's another episode of the Business, Life, and Coffee show here. I'm joined by a very special guest, a brother, a friend of mine, making big things happen in the South. And we're going to talk about resumes. We're talking about career changing and some of the tips that our special guest recommends. And so I wanted to just present this to you and say, you know, while January may be the time when most employees quit their jobs, springtime always brings about the possibility of change and thoughts of what if. According to the latest research, many Americans will have at least four jobs by the age of 32. And get this, the average employee spends five to 20 hours per week searching for jobs online. So if you could imagine, some people spend half their work week actually looking for a job. Tweet me if you think that number is a little out of line, but tweet me at uh, Joey V. Price HR. Today, though, if you're looking for a new career, the first thing you'll need is a brand new resume. So joining us to talk about career change and ways to stand out in a crowded field is the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't seen... <laughs> I'm hyping it up because it's true. And if you haven't seen one of his latest posts on LinkedIn, it's got like thousands and thousands of views. But we'll talk about mm -hmm. that too. But again, it's the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Fields, owner of the Resume Crusade. At the Resume Crusade, Chris helps job seekers by updating their total resume branding packages. And since 2012, he's helped nearly 600 people with their resume credentials. And get this, guys, his resumes have led to client interviews with companies you know and love like Amazon, Google, Uber, Visa, PwC, FedEx, Arby's Corporate, Workday, REI, University of Houston, University of Illinois, University of Memphis, University of Georgia, and many other bracket-busting schools and big-name <laughs> institutions. Chris, welcome to the show. Wow, thank you. You know what? I need to take you out on the road with me, man. That is the best intro I've ever had, ever. Hey, man, have have bag, will travel. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you having me on the podcast today. Yeah, man. How long have we been connected? It's been at least four or five years or so. Yeah, I think we've probably been connected for at least five. And then, you know, I think we reached out and actually had real conversations uh, about three or four years ago. And it's just been admiring the work that you do and your grind and how you just never stop and keep going. And I've applied some of that to what I do, too. So you've been an inspiration to me as well. Thank you. Uh, well, Chris, man, I appreciate hearing that, honestly. And I've appreciated all the content you share on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. And I still have yet to get that viral LinkedIn post like you. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm uh, poking and prodding and seeing what, uh, what I need to do to get my shares up. You know, it's, it's so weird because I also work with people on trying to develop their social brand and influencer reputation. And people ask me, like, how do you do that? And, and 
it's no rhyme or reason. Like I, the post that you're referring to, for those who don't know, on LinkedIn, I was helping someone look for a job. They have about three years of experience in human resources, and they want a generous position. So I was looking for jobs for them. And everything I saw was requiring five to seven years of experience to be an HR generalist. And in my mind, I'm thinking, if you have that much experience, you should be tracking toward a senior generalist or even a manager role. So I just, out of a little bit of frustration, just kind of said on LinkedIn, like, I've been in HR since 99, got my degree in 2005, and I don't understand the relationship between having five to seven years and being a generalist. Like, there's no data that supports that. There's no real information that says you need to be a generalist for this many years to be successful. And plus, I know a lot of people who just get thrown in HR. So I just kind of put that out there. And at first, I got a few hits and a few more hundred hits. And then it started to, started to get over a thousand. And then that's when I was like, something's going on here. And literally, Joey, it was so funny because on my iPad, I have the app. And I would go and look at the, the stats on the post and how it was performing. And I would just refresh. And it would jump up by 100, like every, every second. And I'm like, this is going crazy. So now, fast forward, it's at 93,000 views. Yeah, 93,000 views, I think 1,000 likes, and then like 120 comments. And the best part to me, though, is that a couple of people have reached out to have their resumes updated. And, and again, I didn't do it for that, but that's nice when people say, hey, you know, I need some help. So to me, that's more important, helping people get their stuff together. But it has gotten me a lot of attention. I think I've gotten about 125 new connections off of it, too. So it's a it's a different thing, and it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of cool. But I'll tell you this. When it does happen for you, there will be a part of you that gets tired of the notifications that you know that you know. <laughs> man, <laughs> so many Chris, people are still looking at it. I'm, I'm ahead of you, man. I turn those things off. And it's not because, honestly, I just get distracted. I get yeah. distracted very easily. So I'm like a kid in a candy store. If I see something on my phone, you know, my wife knows, I'll pick up, I'll grab it, and then I'll, I'll see what's going on. So for my sanity and the sake of my relationship, I've just turned those things <laughs> off. <laughs> wise. That's very wise. Yeah, man. I, I just had to turn them off. But, you know, your post, it, it hit on, it tapped a nerve, man. It, it, yeah. it was something that people really, really agree with and i think that's why it's so viral because a lot of times and this is you know no shade to linkedin but when i'll see a post is really really popular on my page mm -hmm. sometimes it's like some very attractive woman or a handsome guy and mm -hmm. they're saying oh i left my organization or something like that and the comments are less about the content of the post and mm -hmm. it's and, and chris you're probably seeing this too but like it's someone on one hand, defending, you know, the woman, and, and on the other hand, it's men making inappropriate remarks. And so to actually see a really valuable post go viral like that, I'm like, wow, I, my faith has been restored in LinkedIn. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the good news, the good news is actually shining through. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I take the most pride in, that it did strike a nerve. And there are people with Lots of experience with, because I couldn't look, I couldn't vet everybody who had left comments, but I looked at a few, especially initially when it started to blow up. And there are people with lots of experience and the SHRM certifications and the HRCI yeah. certifications who were making comments about how they're in that same boat. They can't get their break or they can't move past a certain level. So it's definitely touched a nerve with people. And then also, I think it speaks to 
the amount of people, like you mentioned earlier, who are at work looking for jobs, but the amount of people who are really looking for opportunities and are hoping that LinkedIn provides those opportunities for them. So, yeah, it's a lot to really, when you think about it, consider what's going on with the way that that has performed. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And this is a problem that's not just tied into HR. I mean, a lot of times when I go to colleges and universities and speak, the biggest question I get is, well, how do I get an entry-level job when it's requiring one to two years of experience? Yeah. And while a generalist is a bit more, it's got a bit more responsibility than an entry-level role, the fact still remains that there are more ways that you can tell whether a person will be good at a job than just the number of years that they've been in the position. Exactly. And a lot of times there are better qualifiers because you could have what I call junk time, you know, working at an employer for five years, 10 years, doing the same job, not really learning new things. And the expectations might be different at your company than at the company you're applying for. So I always challenge creative ways to look at the hiring process and ask yourself the barriers that we're setting do they really actually make sense? Exactly. And that's, you said it perfectly. The barriers that we're establishing, do they make sense? And I'll challenge anyone. But, you know, I don't know every profession, but I do know this HR profession. And I will challenge anyone to tell me why you need five to seven years to be a good generalist. Because once you, it's really about the person and them finding the answers to the things that they want to get. And everybody starts out at zero and they move up. So I don't think it takes that much, you know. Some people, I haven't been a practitioner for a very long time, but I'll tell you this. I get people calling me all the time. Can my boss do this? Is this allowed? I have a lot of friends in HR, and they tell me about the things that's going on in their workplace, the the real things that they can't really talk about. And the thing is, it's never anything that I haven't done way back over 10 years ago. I've never come across a situation where somebody has a because everybody pretty much does the same thing. They harass each other. They treat each other inappropriately. The, the boss makes you do stuff that you don't really want to do. So it's really the same stuff. Nothing really has changed because human behavior is human behavior. So yeah. when it comes to some of those elements of HR, it's pretty much the same big issues. And right now we're seeing a lot of diversity issues with people not getting along or feeling like they can say or do anything in a workplace. So yeah, but you said it, you, you said it very well. The, you know, the, the barriers that we put up to exclude people, you know, we need to really look at that because there's a lot of people that are talented that could be working and doing some great things if just given the opportunity to do those things. Yeah. And Chris, we're going to have to have another show called, you know, Behind Closed Doors, What Really Happens in the, in the <laughs> oh, HR <love> Office. <laughs> Purely anonymous, of course. No, uh, no name. The, yes. names will be, the names will be changed to protect the innocent. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and I got some good ones, too, because yeah. some of the stuff that's going on is mind-blowing. But, yeah, we, we have to do that part, too. Cool. So let's talk about their resumes. And we talk about the employers wanting five to seven years of experience. But you're in this resume writing field yeah. every day. And yeah. you're working with employers. You're working with professionals that are looking to beef up their resume. Could you tell our audience the first thing that employers look for in a resume and your thoughts about that? I believe that the first thing employers look for in a resume is the experience level and then the accomplishments that a person has done at a job. I say that based on the fact that the way I create resumes for people 
it has changed over the years. You know, I've gotten better over the years at capturing the things that get people interviews. And the things that I'm hearing when people get interviewed immediately is that they say, well, your resume was, was beautiful, but it also told me exactly, you know, how many years of experience you had and what you're trying to do. So those are things I try to incorporate into the design. So I believe employers really, they love experience. You know, for, I know we just talked about the drawbacks of, of falling in love with experience, but employers do love it. They still want to see, you know, what you've done in the past. And then they want to see if you've done something, brought something different to the position that wasn't there because they all want to get as much out of you as they can. So those are the things that I think employers really look for in a resume. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned the experience. And of course, we talked about that the five to seven year barrier and for other entry level jobs, it may be that one to two year barrier. But I think it's important to, especially in your in your resume, to not just quantify the years, but what you've done with those years. Because like you mentioned, accomplishments are important. So if I'm a job seeker and I did something in two years that maybe a peer hasn't done in four or five years, then I'm probably going to get a leg up on that person who's been doing it longer because I was able to impact the organization faster and in a greater way. So yeah, yeah it's, it's like, I don't know if it's a catch 22 or if it's a, a delicate balance, but experience is not just the length of time you've done something, but how impactful you've been at your job. That's very astute because I have experience and they've never mediated, never really done a lot of recruiting. So you're right. It's what you do with the time that you have. And what I like to tell young people who come to me who just graduate and trying to get into HR, I try to tell them to, whenever they get their first opportunity, to always ask for new projects and to do something else. And don't think about it like you're kissing up, but think about it for your resume. Because the things you do now will lay the future for you going forward. Because, you know, young people are so interesting to me now that I'm getting a little older. Because if you, you know, you start out and you do a coordinator job and you think, oh, you know, I don't really want to do this that much. Well, just do it for six months to a year. I mean, and then you can move on. And, and I have a couple of young guys who I've worked with, and I'm really proud of them because they've been able to take small opportunities and grow them. And just by saying, what else can I do? What else needs to be done? And taking the ball and going with it and moving up. And one guy moved from a coordinator to associate HR manager within like a year and a half, just because he, he stayed aggressive. So it's important. And then for older workers or workers who've been uh, in their careers for a while, you know, we all, well, I guess what I'm getting at here is we all may experience a career setback at some point. Maybe you were a director and you have to go back to manager, or maybe you were almost a manager and you have to go back or something like that. But don't stay in that situation. They still continue to flow right now. 200,000 jobs added in February. So jobs are out there. Don't feel like you have to stay anywhere because we really got a pretty good career track. And then in 2008, had a setback, but since then has stayed pretty stagnant. And and you get it for a couple of years, like you got to protect yourself and you got to, you know, do what you got to do. But, you know, around that 2010 mark, that's when things start to get better. So you would think between 2010 and now 2007, that there would be a little more put into getting back, a little more aggressiveness going back into doing something that you really want to do. So sometimes, you know, you got to be able to explain, you know, why you allowed yourself to do something that was like maybe beneath your skill set or your level. And then sometimes you have to just push yourself and not be complacent. So 
it is it's a lot to manage, but it can definitely be done. Yeah, and employers are not all heartless, ruthless individuals. They can understand we've gone through recessions, companies have had layoffs, and also people will take time off for work or they'll take time off from work for school or for family or for travel. And sometimes that means you'll get a, a job that's a step back, so to speak. But total package-wise, if you can present the case of why you're a good fit, then I think you've got a strong chance at getting a job. Absolutely. One of the, I, I had a guy on my show, Grant Langston, who is the CEO of eHarmony. And he's not the older gentleman that you, got, that you see on the commercials, but he's actually the new CEO. And Chris, I wanted to share this with you that he is the CEO now, mm-hmm. but in the episode, we talked about how he started at the company as a copywriter. Mm, so yes. there is something to be said for taking that role and making the most of it. Because you talked about opportunities and taking on new projects. Yeah. So in, a, in about 17 years or so, and of course there were progressive steps in between, he went yeah, from yeah. entry-level copywriter with an office the size of a closet or a cube the size of a closet all the way up to CEO of one of the most well-known brands and recognizable brands in the country. So definitely, folks, take, take on new opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. You have, to, you have to take on new opportunities and then ask yourself, you know, how are you liking what, where you're at? And, and they just continue on. And like we said earlier, sometimes it's out of necessity. You know, the economy goes bad, but not always. People don't really want to compete for it out there and get their resume updated and deal with all of that. So they just stay where they are. And we're learning that that does not help you, especially if you're 30, 40, even 50, because you got to think you're going to be working for the next couple of decades. And if you're going to be working for the next couple of decades, as you mentioned, most people are having four or five jobs by the age of, what do you say, 26 or something like that. There's a strong chance you will not retire from that place. So you need to be keeping your head on a swivel every three to four years, asking yourself, am I happy? Do I like what I'm doing? Is there other things that I want to be doing? and how the state of this company, and then making your adjustments accordingly. Chris, people try to do their yeah, resume. People try to do their resume on their own. And sometimes I'll have friends say, hey, can you take a look at my resume and, and let me know what you think? But as a professional in HR, and, and I, I also do resume writing, but definitely not on the level that you do. I mean, you're crushing it. I'm kind of just HR b- resume writer by default. But from your expertise, uh, what do people get wrong when they're completing their resume? Or what sort of outdated trends or topics or formatting are you seeing? And you just kind of shake your head and chuckle and say, all right, uh, don't worry. I got you. I got you. It's, it's, it's various things. But I think the big thing is most people think that, you know, I'm smart. I have not to write a sentence. I can put this thing together. It's just a resume. So they grab a template from wherever. And they just, they, they write it, but it really is more than that. And I'm, I'm, I'm really not just saying that to try to drum up business or anything like that. I've learned that it's a lot more to write in a resume than just having a document with your name on it and your accomplishments. Your resume should one speak to your skill level and your career level. So an entry level resume shouldn't look like a director resume or an executive resume. The format should be different. The way the information is presented. If you're going to be looking on a job board versus somebody who gets opportunities that come to them in their mailbox or people call them up, 
that gives you a little more to do and play with because if you're going to go on a job board, you have to, if you're a director, and I keep using director because I had a guy who was a director, but his resume didn't say director just by the appearance, and he was getting looked over for director jobs. We changed the resume appearance around. We made the language stronger, and he started getting you know hits, and he was like, you know, I didn't realize that that was so important, but it really is. And, and I always tell people that I work with, save some money to get your resume updated in the next couple of years, too. We'll have to do this again because... You know, you can get a resume, and I know people like to really, if they do pay for a resume, feel like they never have to get it updated again. Well, things change. You know, styles change. What people look for change. Just when I got started, people didn't want their social profiles on their resume. Now they do. You know, and then you want to have a little design kind of element to to stand out a little bit. So a lot of people get it wrong oversimplifying it, taking it for granted. Oh, it's just a resume. They're not understanding what it can really do for their career. Some people get it, and they don't mind paying people to get their resume done because they know what they're going to get. There are a lot of resume writers out there. Some are better than others. I encourage everybody to vet who they want to hire to do their resume. They should be able to have some type of examples that you can look at. I use Instagram. I blur out my customers' pertinent information, but you can get an idea of the format and the layout of the resume so you know what your resume is going to look like if you hire me. I want to say that I like creative resumes where they have the emojis and the different pie charts. And all, but what I found out is that recruiters don't really like that that much. Depends on the job, really, like especially sales, you may can get away with some of that or artistic jobs, you can get away with some of that. But you're done for that company. They don't want to have to hunt all over the resume and try to decipher all these things. It's cute but it doesn't set you apart as far as just the resume standpoint. So a lot of things that people are doing that they think makes sense, but they don't. Now, let me say this before I wrap that part of the conversation. There are some things that people just are not paying attention to. Like we know objectives are terrible. They all say to to obtain a position. That's like the number one duh in resume writing. And I get it all the time. And I'm like, what is going on? So that one and then the long resume. I don't know why people continue to have three, four, five, six page resumes and really think that somebody's going to sit down and read that. It is not going to happen today. Even my resumes, as, as beautiful as I believe they are and as great as they are, I believe that once they get over a certain length, I don't think people read the entire thing. I think they read the top half of it and they kind of skim the rest of it. And, you know, real quick, make sure everything looks good. And that's it. So if you have if you're out there and you have a three, four page resume and you thinking that somebody's going to read all that, they are not. <laughs> there is no way you need three pages at 25 because you're going to be working for a long time. We need to put the relevant stuff on there. So just, you know, a lot of saying the same thing over and over again and, and that sort of thing, because bad resumes still give get people jobs. If recruiters only looked at good resumes, they wouldn't look at most of the resumes they get. So they have to look at the bad ones sometimes. And so I think a lot of people think, well, this resume still works. But I always tell people, is it getting you the type of jobs that you want or are you just getting hits for certain jobs? Because there's a difference there, too. You know, you may be getting hit up for a job, but it might not be the type of job you really want to do. So if you want to be a manager and you're still getting jobs in lower management or mid-level, then maybe your resume is not portraying you as the person that you think you are not to take you know my spot on the soapbox a bit but 
I can't stress enough the importance of having an expert look at your resume because when I think about the last time I was formally trained, other than, of course, being in HR and doing resume writing as, as a career, but when I think about when I was last formally trained as a non-HR professional to write resumes, it was my college class where we learned how to write a resume to get an internship. And the expectations of that were so low compared to what it takes now as a professional with 10 plus years of working experience. And so we resort to those old tactics of, okay, well, I got to put my education on the front and I was taught to write an objective and, you know, all yeah. these things that just don't work anymore. And while this isn't necessarily related to resume writing, it just, just because you can compose a sentence is not very helpful in resume writing because it's almost like it's marketing for yourself. And so I think about, you know, I, I have a company, my company has a website, my company has a LinkedIn profile, my company, you know, I have sales emails that go out to my contacts. But just because I can write doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the best person to write it because I don't always think with my audience in mind. And so I've had copywriting experts, marketers take a look at my stuff and edit it and revise it because, you know, they're going to be better at generating the responses I want than I would be. So it's the same with a resume. When you want to get a job, sure, you're going to talk about yourself and you can compose a sentence. That's great. But when you have a specific goal in mind, you have to find people that have accomplished that goal and know how to nuance or finesse what you have to accomplish that goal. Otherwise, you'll be spinning your wheels. And that's why I think resume writers are so valuable because they're experts at getting people jobs. Well, thank you. On behalf of the good resume writers out there, thank you. That's that's spot on. But yeah, because I think about things that I'm good at writing resumes and, and writing certain things, but you know, I still need help with, with other things, marketing material and, and just the positioning of my brand and things like that. And people give me help and, and I accept that because I know that there are certain things I'm good at and certain things that I'm not. And it's the same thing with the resume writing. So that's a very good point. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, Chris. Are there any new trends or technology that someone might not know about if they haven't touched their resume in, let's say, five years or so? Well, on the technology, not really. I mean, there are lots of apps out there for job searching, but none that really help with the resume that I've come across anyway. But uh, there are new trends. You know, like I mentioned, you can get away now with, you know, I, I like design elements. So I like using like icons for the phone icon or email icon or even your location icon. You can get away with some of that playfully now because people are used to seeing that on their devices so they know what it is. But I don't fall in love with putting a lot of, you know, emojis or things like that, which I have seen on some resumes. And again, I just think it depends. And I, I do see where in a few years having emojis on your resume might be acceptable and okay. I really do. I think it's evolving to where it's, it's getting to that point. I, I definitely have seen them in cover letters. And I've asked some of my recruiter friends, like, what do you think about that when you see a smiley face emoji in a, in a um, cover letter? Does that turn you, I mean, is it okay with you? 
And most of them are like, yeah, it doesn't bother me. And especially that's a change. But I know a few years ago it was kind of, it's kind of childish. But now it's like, okay, one emoji on your on your cover letter, if that's your style, you know. Or I've seen people use emojis as bullet points on their cover letters. And so I think that's something that you can get away with if that's your thing or whatever. So there are certain things that keep evolving as time evolves and as we all evolve. There are things. Now, I'll tell you something that is refreshing to hear from my clients. Not so much, not too many questions anymore about your past, like uh, what happened at a certain job. You know, it used to be a lot of that. Uh, so tell me about what happened there. Why aren't you there anymore? That was a good company. Or, you know, they're not getting that anymore. And I've had some people who are really concerned about how to, you know, discuss moving away from a company or being let go of a, from a company. So we come up with a strategy. But when I follow up with them, like after the interview and say, OK, so how did they go to the you about that? Like, no, they didn't even ask. So that's a that's a good thing, I guess. So it's starting to be more much more of a what have you done for me and what can you do for me culture versus of, you know, what happened with this place in the past type of thing. No, oh, that's great. That's great news. And there's some legislations out there helping with that, too, with like ban the box. And some yes. places are saying you can't ask about salary history. So that's that's yes. always good, too. It, it helps make the conversation be about. Like you said, the what have you done for me lately and what could you do for me? And that's really what it's all about. That's what it was all about. You know about. what? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because people out there who listen who still want to try to do it on their own, don't put your salary on your resume automatically. Mm-hmm. I've seen that before. Don't do that. You're choking yourself when you do that because a, a position may have a range between 65 and 70 and you have on there that you, you know, make 50. And believe me, they'll say, well, if they only make 50 now, we can offer them 55 and they'll love that. So take that off of there. And also, you don't have to put references up on request or even your references. And a lot of people put their references on the resume automatically. Don't do that because, one, they could check your references without talking to you. And you want a conversation. The whole thing is designed to get you a conversation so you can win them over. So when you give too much information, then you're eliminating the need for that conversation. They may call one of your references and they may really trash you. Yep. Or they may say, oh, I don't know, or I don't have time for this, or whatever. So you want to take that off. You don't have to put references upon request on there either because guess what? They know that if they ask you for your references, you're going to give them up. So you don't have to put that on your resume anymore. So good points there. And so many people will, will put their references on there and not tell the references that they're references. So when you call their phone and you get, you know, like a twerk song, voicemail, <laughs> it doesn't really look look good for you uh, as a candidate if you haven't told the person, hey, you know, somebody might be calling you from a job. Make sure that the uh, voicemail is professional and, or at least free of music. So we're, we're uh, coming to the last few questions here, but I wanted to talk about career changers. Folks that may have spent five or 10 years in one industry and they said, you know what, I'm ready for a change. My passion has always been X or, you know, since having a a child, I realized that I want to pursue Y. And these people need resumes that really speak to their abilities more so than than folks that are on a progressive path because it's easy to track the growth. And you can go in as much detail as you want, but what advice would you give for somebody that's, that wants to test the water in a brand new field that they've got little experience in? What advice do you have in, for someone like that? First, I tell them the truth. I tell them it's not going to be easy, but it's possible. 
Uh, I tell them that the resume, when you're transitioning from one career to another, the resume is a piece of it. But I do believe that networking is bigger, is a bigger piece. And it works best when you have everything together. When you network, your resume is ready, your LinkedIn is updated so they can see the whole thing and hear the story about why you want to move from one to another. Usually when someone wants to move from one thing to another, there's a correlation there or something has lit the fire. They did some work in that industry or in that profession and they they really want to do more of it. So I try to tap into what that is and play that up and then try to show if there's any transferable skills. And it's so interesting because I've had some people who wanted to move from one career to another and they get jobs almost instantly or they get opportunities. And I'm like, okay, great. Then I have others who it takes a lot longer. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like the resume looked good. I don't get it, but they have to, you know, keep going. So I always tell people to network, get out, go to the meet, go to the social functions, the professional meetings, the professional development associations and talk to people, shake some hands because you never know who may like you and say, you know what, even though you don't have a lot of experience, you know, I want to you know, give you a shot because uh, that's how it happens for a lot of people. That's when I learned that training was under the HR umbrella. I got my degree because I wanted to be better and learn all these other great things about HR that I really love, especially compliance. But anyway, my point with the story is that there's always an origin point that makes you say, you know, and I want to do this a little more or, you know, get more involved. And so it's tapping into that. But I try to tell them the truth because I don't want to be one of these guys that, that tell people, oh, yeah, I can do this and do that and take their money and then it doesn't work for them. I try to be honest with them and let them know, you know, it's possible. It's definitely possible, but it could take a while. And we're going to need to do some networking along with having your resume together and making sure you got your talking points together and go at it that way. And so that's how I try to approach whenever somebody tells me they want to move from one to another. And, you know, the networking piece is so important, Joey, as you know, build a network and then you have to keep pruning it like a garden because sometimes people in your network retire, they do other things, they go away. So things happen. You have to always make sure you have a good network. And, you know, the difference between friendships and networking, because, you know, it's similar but different. You know, friendships are friendships, but you know, networking is different. So if you don't, if you have friends and they're all kind of, you all in the same boat, kind of trying to survive and make your own thing, that's one thing. But when you talk about networking, you need people who can provide opportunities or who you can count on for anything from a reference to maybe a, a lead on a job. And so it's important that you reach beyond just your social network of close friends and move into business networking and know how to network with people who are influencers and can help you obtain better career opportunities. And again, everybody, we are joined by Chris Fields. He is the owner of the Resume Crusade. You can check him out online on social media, his website. Chris, you brought up a really a point when you were talking about career changers and the fact that it won't be easy if someone's moving from one career to another. It might take a long time. But when people are considering hiring a professional resume writer, I wanted to ask you, because this might be on somebody's mind, what are the promises that a resume writer can deliver on? I mean, obviously, you can't promise that the person will land a job. You can't promise mm-hmm. that the person will land a job within X amount of days or X amount of months. But as a resume writer that someone is paying for and, and essentially investing in their career, what can you promise? 
I try to promise them that they will get more interviews, you know, that the resume will get them some attention. They'll get more contacts. You know, a lot of times people contact me. You know, I tell them, you know, I can promise you that we'll make you a better resume. That'll get you some hits. And I've been very fortunate to be able to do that. And then, you know, because like you said, you can't promise a job. You can't even really promise an interview. But, you know, you can promise at least they'll get some more hits and some more attention. What I'm finding, though, Joey, is as I go deeper with clients, because I am a resume writer, but I do care about what happens to the people that hire me. So I do follow up and I, I learn that there are different things. Some people stop looking. Some people don't really look at all. But I can say that all of my clients who look for jobs, they usually get them within a 60-day window. And when I say look, I mean like at least they apply to at least four or five jobs per week. So if you're applying to four or five jobs a week, then you're looking at, you should be looking at way more than that, but you shouldn't be applying to everything that you see. You want to be selective. So it comes down to how are you interviewing? You know, if I have somebody contact me and say, well, I'm getting interviews, I'm just not getting the job. So then we need to go deep into what are you saying during these interviews? Are you asking questions? Are you, you know, coming across a certain way? We need to, you know, go deeper and figure out what's going on there. You know, you'd be surprised. It's not, I think a lot of times we think people who get resume writing help and career coaching must be entry level or don't know how to conduct themselves, but it's not. It's everybody from, I've had directors who needed more help because the game has changed. If you've been working for the last five years consistently, and you had interviewed in five years. It's a different world out there. And you may be interviewing now with somebody who may be younger than you that may be the boss, you know, in a lot of cases. Or, you know, you may be trying to move up the ladder and maybe there's somebody there already. It's, it's just so many different levels and you have to be prepared for. So the guarantee I give people that you have a better resume that'll get you some hits, then you have to land the job. And if you're not landing a job, we can talk about maybe what else is going on. But I want to say this real quick. I had a lady who we did her resume and I thought it was pretty good, you know, of course, but she wasn't getting any hits. And she called me back. She said, Chris, I'm not getting anything. And I said, nothing. She said, no. So I said, let me look at the resume again. So I pulled it up. I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay. Cause I try not to lie on anyone's resume. You know, I try to just be honest. And if they want to change some things here and there, that's fine. But I try to, you know, present it honestly. So I'm looking at the resume. I'm like this, this, I believe this resume talks about what she's done and what she wants to do. So she said, well, Chris, the only thing we didn't do was my LinkedIn profile. You think we should do that? And money was an issue for her. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go ahead and do the LinkedIn. And then if you get hits or a job, you can pay me on the back end just to see what's going on. We did her LinkedIn and she started getting all types of hits. And then they would contact her and ask her for a resume. Now, she was out in California. I don't know if that makes a difference. But she, once, once we updated the LinkedIn, she started getting all types of hits. Google was one of those that you mentioned earlier. Then they asked for the resume. And then they told her the resume was great. So I was thinking like, okay, if the resume was great, why didn't it get hits? But the LinkedIn did. But nevertheless, she got a job and she didn't take the Google job. She took another job, but she was really happy with it. And so sometimes it's just having a complete package is what I'm getting at. You know, maybe it's not just the resume. Maybe it's the resume and your LinkedIn, or maybe it's what you're talking about on social media. You know, I had one client, I had to tell her straight up, you know, I believe your social media activity is costing you opportunities, you know, because of some of the things that she was talking about online, because she wasn't using a, a pseudonym or anything like that. She was using a real name and she was out there just talking about whatever. And I'm like, I think that's hurting you. So, you know, you have to look at the whole package sometimes. Yeah, that's a big deal. 
I mean, you've been in the HR and social space for a while, and you know we've had these conversations about HR professionals and hiring managers checking social media before even picking up the phone and calling candidates. So that's a huge, huge, huge deal. Yeah, I mean, that's there's, I guess, no more to be said about that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, clean it up, people. Yeah, clean, clean it up. up your, clean up your social media. Chris, where can our listeners go for more information about you and how can they connect with you online? I've made it super simple for them, Joey. Everything is Resume Crusade. The website is ResumeCrusade.com. The Instagram is Resume Crusade. The Twitter is Resume Crusade. My email is Chris at ResumeCrusade.net. It's so simple. Just remember Resume Crusade. And you can find me all over the place. That's awesome, Chris. But before we go, let's let's lighten it up a little bit. What's the the craziest thing you've seen on a resume? Could be craziest, funniest, funniest oh, resume you worked on. Several. So <laughs> jobs from the seventies. <laughs> Seriously, a guy sent me his resume. He had jobs from he had jobs from seventy one. I thought this man has been working since before I was born. So that was one. Actually, now this one someone shared with me. I can't say her name, but one of my good friends, she shared with me, somebody had on their resume at the top, grown man. (laughs) Was it followed by was it followed by some emojis? No, no, no emojis. (laughs) Just had his name. Then under his name it said grown man. And I was like, Wow. So yeah. Well Uh, that is that is email. That is a full time job, being a grown man. Well, you know what's funny? She did move him to the next level. He didn't he didn't end up getting the job, but she did she overlooked the grown man statement and moved him to the next level. So that was I thought that was nice of her to overlook that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that and then of course the you know, the emails. I've had to counsel a couple of clients who send me emails and I say, you know, well, hey, I know we're just resume writing here, but is this your only email address? And a couple said, Yeah, it is. I'm like, No, we need to change that. We can't I can't yeah. seriously put you out there with that as an email address. So Email addresses, jobs from the 70s. I'm trying to think what else it was. Chris, while you're, while you're thinking about that, I, I had a candidate when I was working at a, a prior employer, and their uh, email address was, it was staylit420 mm. at like their, it was a, yeah. a Gmail or a Hotmail or a Yahoo or whatever it was. But I was just like, huh. Joey, this- I've seen <laughs> Mr. Snowman. I've seen Big behind uh-huh. i don't know if, what we can say on your show but a uh, big but this and i've seen juicy that and i'm like nope we're not no can't let you go out there with juicy on your resume oh, yeah so yeah i've seen a lot of a lot of those interesting you know or, or even just maybe it's not even too salacious but it's just like you know miss miss vivacious you know the chosen one things like that i'm like no you gotta change all that so things like that Oh, before, and I also want to ask you before, you had, had a question about the brackets. Who do you have uh, winning the tournament this year? I want to know. Man, Chris, I, I've i been too busy to keep up. Yeah. That's, that's my honest. I literally went to go. We're taping this on March 16th. 16th. Mm-hmm. I literally went to go and uh, fill out my bracket for my church. And um, it was too late because they were, the first games had already tipped off. So I have no clue. I'm I'm rooting for Maryland, my alma mater, but okay. uh, reality says they won't get past the first or second round. But 
I don't know, man. I have no clue. Who do you got? Well, that's the interesting thing is, like, usually I do a bracket. I'm all into it. This year I didn't do a bracket, but I did keep up more with basketball, with college basketball this year than I have in a very long time. So this would have been the year. I should have done it, but I just didn't do it. But I know a lot of people are looking at UCLA, the ball. You know, everybody loves him. But and Villanova's strong, and you can never count out UNC or Duke. But yeah. I got a feeling that Gonzaga's going to do it this year. You think so? I do. I have. They've been so close to getting there, and they had a really great year. I'm not. If they're still healthy, I think they're still healthy. I got a feeling that Gonzaga's going to do it this year. I think they are ready to to take that leap to the to the championship. So that's who I'm. That's who I'm rooting for. I wouldn't be surprised though if Villanova did a back to back on us though. Wow, yeah. Let's see how it all plays out. And this episode will be released before the uh, Final Four. So we'll see if you were accurate on your predictions there. And I don't know. Let's see. If You said you think Gonzaga will take it? Yeah, I'm going to go with Gonzaga. All right. So if, if somebody's listening to this and Gonzaga wins, the first person to tweet me and say that they heard Chris's prediction on the show i'll sponsor a, a resume rewrite i'll take ooh, i'll take care ooh. of a resume rewrite Ooh, that's a great value right there folks <laughs> so so if they tweet that that means two things one they need a resume but two they yeah. they've they've listened to the whole episode and they kept this in mind so we oh, wow. definitely want to uh, reward our listeners so whoever <laughs> tweets me at uh, joey v price hr and uh, Chris, you can promote it too. Don't say what the don't say what the stipulation is, but just say, right. you know, tune into the show. Um, All right, I'll, I'll, you have my word. I'll, I'll take care of. I'll take. Care and, I, and I'll and I'll even <laughs> sweeten the pot by saying that, you know, I will go half seas with you on that. So because you know they may need a resume and a cover letter, we'll do resume and a cover letter for someone who listens to the show and who sends the tweet. If you need that done, if I'm right, if they win, we'll do a resume and cover letter. Joey and I'll take care of the price for you, and all you have to do is do the tweet. So we'll we'll make sure we share that when we put this out there. That's awesome, man. My man. Cool. <laughs> well, right. thank you. Appreciate this. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on the show. We're going to have you again for sure. All right. Look forward to it. All right, Chris. Thanks for coming, and uh, thank you all for listening to the Business Life & Coffee Show. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLC Moments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.